Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field. It is high. It is far. It is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at-bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field. It's going to go. Subscribe to At Bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. And now, the only man to reach base tonight for the Pittsburgh Pirates, Eric Gonzalez. Why don't you take this one, partner? Like James and Lucas are a team, so are we. No hits through 26 outs. Strike one. Deep in thought, the well-trained mind of Lucas Giolito. He wins strike two. One more bat to miss. Nobody's here to watch, but everyone at home has their hearts in their throats. On 0-2. To right field, Adam Angle is there! A no-hitter! The 19th in White Sox history. Hit and run with Matt Spiegel. Sundays, 9 a.m. to noon. That right there is the closest I got to a baseball game in 2020. Because it was on the big TV in my living room. And for the last two innings, uh, my wife and I took our glasses of wine got up from the couch and went and stood right in front of the TV. Maybe, I don't know, 18 inches, 20 inches away from the TV with Benetti and Stone blaring, just feeling as much a part of it as we possibly could. And as we welcome in Jason Benetti to hit and run right here on the score, I don't know if I ever told you that. That was as close as I got to a ball game. was just stand, st- standing near your audio uh, right there that night of the no-hitter. That was pretty delightful, Jason. Oh, okay, J- J- Jason will be coming on in a matter of moments, and I will tell him that. But that was, that was exactly as close as I got. Folks, we're going to get a lot closer. I was at a game or two in Arizona. In fact, two. I know exactly how many games I was at. At a couple of games in Arizona uh, this past week, and I can report that it feels pretty good to be at a ballpark. That even with limited capacity, you can still feel some energy in the air. Not yet available. High fives with strangers. Uh, shared, shared communal high fives when something good happens. That's not yet available. Might take a little while before we all get comfortable enough for that. But I'll tell you what uh, it does remain available is hot dogs, beer, things of that nature at a ball game. And as Jason Benetti joins us on the score hotline uh, presented by Alpamonte Ford, Alpamonte Ford and Melrose Park and North Avenue or APFord.com. 
Jason, I was saying that that highlight we just played of the Giolito no-hitter is as close as I got to a game last year. My wife and I, with our glasses of wine, standing up in the living room, going within like 18 inches of the big TV and experiencing those last couple innings. That's, yeah. that's the best I had all season long. So thank you for that, I think. Uh, you're welcome for Fantasyland. I, uh, I I hope it wasn't like The Ring, right? Where like you felt like we, somebody might reach through the television and bring you into the ballpark because that would be uh, bordering on scary. Uh, so yeah, no, I I um I'm, I missed it dearly. I missed seeing people dearly, and we've talked about that. But like I I was. It's funny you say that because I was watching the, the um, Oral Roberts Ohio State game in my hotel room down here, and, and I know it's hit and run, but I'm talking basketball. Yep. Uh, and I felt, I felt myself like walking closer to the TV with Max A. Smith and what he was doing for Oral Roberts. And I looked, and I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm like three steps from the television right now. So I get it. <laughs> yeah. Every once in a while, you, you have to get as close as you possibly can. Um, yeah, let's do pick and roll for a minute. Um, you called Abilene Christian over Texas. You called North Texas over Purdue. These are two of the biggest and most entertaining upsets in this tournament, Jason, and you were calling them for Westwood One. What does that feel like as you're locked in to upsets of that magnitude that, that we're, we're so used to seeing, but still they feel surprising? It felt like the no-hitter all over again, to be honest. I mean, it, it is such a rush to lock in on, uh, again, I, I said this after the no-hitter, but watching Lucas Giolito's body language was so interesting and so cool to know what he had been through. And to know for Abilene Christian, the kid at the free throw line is the son of a 14-year NFL defensive end, Anthony Pleasant. And his dad's won two Super Bowls, and he has a chance to – I don't know, surpass his dad just in terms of notoriety possibly for the for that school at the very least. Like if you go to Abilene Christian and you say, who's the most famous pleasant athlete, they're not going to say Anthony. They're going to mm-hmm. say Joe. And it's really cool to, to lock in and focus on all those small movements. Like the kid had these bulging eyes when he was at the free throw line yeah. and he just calmed his heart rate down. I mean, it was so fun and so interesting. And yeah, the crowds weren't as large, but my goodness, to be there and to feel it. Yeah, we, we, Robbie Hummel and I said it in the postgame show, people's worldviews change who play in these games. Like Andrew Jones, Shaka Smart, everybody for Texas is thinking, oh, you know, like we, we did something wrong. We need to fix something. We're not good enough. What went wrong? What happened? But if Pleasant misses those two free throws, Texas says, thank goodness we're resilient enough to escape that game. Like your entire worldview of college and beyond can be affected by two shots. And it's crazy. Yeah, yeah it, it is crazy. And, uh, and there are moments on the downside of it, like watching, I, I, I think it was Dwayne Washington Jr. of Ohio State, who's a terrific player but he missed two free throws, two jumpers, and a layup in the final two minutes. And I'm thinking, oh, my God, you have to live with that and hold on to that yeah. for your life. It's, it's, it's heartbreaking. See, I love that you look at the body language. I feel like I'm, I'm sensing the group anxiety of a, of, a high, of a two or three seed as the thing is close and the looseness of the lower seed who's like, this is my moment to do it. I feel like that's something I can feel from the TV. Do you feel it like that? 
Well, yeah, absolutely. Abilene Christian decided that they were going to play completely unhinged basketball all night long. Like, they were just completely unhinged. It was ridiculous, and they did exactly what they wanted to do, and they did it very, very well. But they were loose because they knew what they were going to do. And I will say the North Texas upset of Purdue, and I know we have a lot of Boiler fans who crossed over into Sox fan land, so I'm making people sad talking about this. (laughs) But North Texas that was so dedicated to what they did, like that is the formula for an upset. You show up and you bleed time off the clock because you want to do it, and you don't give away any possessions. Abilene Christian hit the underside of the basket more than they hit three-point field goals last night, and they upset a three-seed. That was zany and great fun, but it was why because Texas Tex, – I, I, Robbie and I said this during a break, at like the under eight in the second half, Texas is tight, and you can see it and you can feel it. But that's, that's why we do this. Yeah, uh, 23 turnovers for Texas last night. How does Robbie Hummel, Purdue legend, process Purdue losing a game like that, that he's, that, oh. that he's watching? Are there tears? Are there kicks under the table? What's happening to Robbie at that point? Well, first of all, as I was answering the last question, Robbie Hummel came to my hotel room to grab my car keys to go to FedEx office. So I think he's at rock bottom at this point. Uh, <laughs> no, he's I was look, I felt awful for him because my my final my final the way he processes it is by analyzing objectively and doing a really good job. I mean, he was. But he feels for Matt Painter because he was his coach and he feels for the players and he wants the program to win. I mean, he's in the Purdue Hall of Fame. Like, my senior year of college was Syracuse, Vermont in Worcester. And so, like, we're going wherever with WAER radio in Syracuse. Like, Austin was going to be the Sweet 16 site. We were planning on a long trip. Syracuse was a four seed. And then your career's over. Like, I'm no longer doing the NCAA tournament on radio in college, and I'm not doing any more games in college. And honestly, that North Texas-Purdue game is as close to as I've ever gotten to feeling exactly like that because I have a guy next to me who's feeling that for his school. But it was also a similar type of result because never did I actually feel like Purdue was the better team the other night. Never. Like, and North Texas was wearing green, which gave me the shakes anyway because of Vermont. So it was it was very similar and interesting. But, yeah, he, he, he was very objective, but I know he feels for his coach. Like, that's, that's the thing about the Giolito no-hitter that was so exciting for me and easy for me to infuse the emotion into the, the game because I was just thrilled for Lucas considering everything he'd been through. Like, Sox fans needed it, too. Like, it was, it was a tough year last year for everybody, and I was just glad that we all had something cool to share. Yeah, it, it really was the culmination of, of Lucas's story, which we've all gotten a chance to know, and you've gotten to know Lucas um, uh, more than, than, than so many. And it's just, it, it is a remarkable story to come from privilege, Uh, early on and then to struggle as hard as he did and have to find strength and courage to change himself and then to find it and now to ascend to where he is. And now it, you know, a lot of times we talk about Tim Anderson as the face of the franchise. I mean, Lucas is a vocal voice and face of this franchise as much as anybody. And I don't know that you could cast a better person into that role. Like he really, 
He's got the confidence to say, look, we are very, very good. He's got the humility to know they still have to do the work. He's really well cast as a franchise face, isn't he, now? I think so. I really do. I think he's kind of built for this. He's, he's a really thoughtful, analytical guy. And, and the thing about Lucas that, that excites me most as the possible face of a franchise, and I think there are a bunch, as you said, for, for this franchise. I mean, if you, if, if you grow up as a Spanish-speaking person and you've been through some difficulty, I don't think there's anybody uh, that you can glom onto more than Jose Abreu. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but Lucas Giolito is somebody who always wants to make everybody else's day better, and he wants to make the world better. And I honestly, you know, you, you can't beat that for a leader, for a team. You just can't. And, and a quick update, uh, Robbie Hummel had not reached rock bottom because now he's at my door looking for the parking card to get out of the parking garage at the hotel. So now we have dug a little bit deeper through the Earth's core and we find Purdue legend Robert John Hummel. I, I, I can see I can see the therapy session at the rehab right now. When did you know that you had hit bottom? Yeah. I was like, I think it was when I went yeah. back to the hotel room for the parking card. Oh yeah, I feel you. I've been there. I've been there, Robbie. Yeah, Absolutely. it wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't when Benetti ordered my DoorDash on his own order for Chang spicy chicken between games yesterday. Uh, it was definitely the parking thing. Yeah, yeah, that was definitely it. It wasn't uh, when they found 21 pounds of meth and one and a half pounds of oxycodone in, no. in my Cubs equipment bag. What the hell's oh, going boy. on? What? A, ooh, Jesus Camargo. No, you know, no you know, comment. My, yeah, yeah. Well, no comment. I, I know. Yeah, I brought that one up out of left field. Here's, um, here's my takeaway from that. They're just not paying minor leaguers enough, Jason. That's my, that's my takeaway from now. So I've been trying, Mike Hall and I have joked about this as the Big Ten Network, I've been trying to get hashtag not the takeaway to catch on, where people, you know, like like, uh, something happens and you just get the wrong lesson from it, right? Like, like, Like everybody in March bought all this toilet paper and, and somebody's like, wow, America is just a cleaner place today, but nothing else. <laughs> and you're like, no, not the ta- hashtag, not the takeaway, deadly not virus. Take- no, yeah, <laughs> yeah not that's true. Yeah, so minor leaguers need to be paid more. You think is not the correct takeaway from this story? No, that is that is now going to be the the paradigm example <laughs> of not the takeaway. <laughs> right, because I'm assuming that it makes all the sense in the world to be the drug mule for your pal when <laughs> just because they're not paying you enough. That's fair. Okay, I hear you. Um, what's the White Sox version or the baseball version of Jason Preston from Ohio University, if there is one? I, for anybody who doesn't know, um, and I'll tell the Jason story, the Preston story, as you think, um, his story is amazing. Average two points per game as a senior in high school. And then got lucky to find a spot on an AAU team and asked the coaches for his highlights and made himself a video. And now a few years later here, he's a star for Ohio University as they upset the four seed Virginia yesterday in the tournament. Um, and there's a whole personal side of it, too, that I, that I won't get into. But is there a White Sox or, or, or baseball version of Jason Preston? You know, the the... 
the White Sox version is a little bit of a stretch, but I'm going to start there, and I'm going to say Aaron Bummer is is a little bit is a little bit like that, just in terms of you know arm surgery and a ball up to the majors in one season. But that's the, good. The prototypical no, example for me. But but there's a better example in baseball, and I think the answer is Daniel Nava from the Red Sox. Wow. Uh, Daniel Nava, the outfielder who showed up at Fenway and like hit a grand slam almost immediately. Daniel Nava was in the Golden League in independent ball and was traded for basically, and I'm not joking about this, I think it was like a six-pack of beer and some baseball. Like, there were there was some ridiculous, strange trade that happened or uh, in the Golden League or some signing or something that happened. And Daniel Nava came completely out of nowhere and became this sensation at Fenway Park. So that's the one that hits me uh, with baseball. But I think I think Aaron Bummer is a really cool story, and like you read James Fegan's piece about about him um, figuring out the sinker at an Applebee's in Lynchburg. Yep. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I just think there's a lot of hope for pitchers across the country if you can go to Applebee's and like be eating a, a queso skillet, and you're just like, you know what, splitter. I'm gonna go splitter, <laughs> and then it works. And I just kind—I kind of like the idea of just being at like a family meal at a restaurant. You're like eating a blooming onion or something, and you know, you're like, "I'm going to change my arm slot." And boy, is this ranch? Is this ranch? <laughs> I love it. it. It reminds me of Zach Duke, the uh, former starting pitcher with the Pittsburgh yeah. Pirates who after flaming out in Pittsburgh um, was lying in his pool, lying in his pool uh, one late fall, not sure if he was ever going to pitch again, and thought to himself, maybe I should throw sidearm. Maybe I should try to do that. And he got out of the pool and went to the little mound uh, in his backyard and started doing that. And nine years later, he's still in the big leagues as a reliever and a submariner. Crazy, you know? I, I had Zach Duke in AAA and watching him completely addle AAA hitters right when he was starting that comeback was hilarious because he was not throwing anything more than like your typical school zone times three. And then everybody would like leave and he would just sort of laugh it off. Like Zach's a pretty laid back Texan guy and got this like wry smile and he knew exactly what he was doing. But all these people were like, I cannot hit this guy. And we wondered, Kevin Brown, my broadcast partner, and I, we were like, how, how is he, what is happening here? And he was fantastic. He's a, he's a good dude. I will say the first thing you said, the, the first thing I thought of when you said lying in his pool was the end of Sunset Boulevard, which is a problem. Like, I need to, re, I need to redo that in my mind. <laughs> right. Or uh, William Shatner's wife. Yeah, you want to, or Brian right. Jones of the Rolling Stone. Yeah, I, I, I need to. Yeah, I, 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 I should recalibrate. Yeah, recalibrate that. Uh, I'm told that the Red Sox paid the Chico Outlaws of the Golden Baseball League one dollar for the rights to Daniel Nava, with an agreement that the Outlaws would receive an additional fourteen hundred and ninety-nine of the Red Sox dollars if they kept him after spring training. So fifteen hundred max. Max out at fifteen hundred. Yeah, for Daniel Nava, amazing. They're like, they're like, look, we'll do eighty cents. We'll do eighty cents. And the Chico Outlaws were like, you are not getting out of here from for a, for eighty cents. This is gonna be one clean dollar, and we want one ten. And the Red Sox are like, we will not go over a dollar. But we okay, all right, 
All right, a nutrageous bar. Okay, yeah. fine. <laughs> right, and it, you think you think they brought him like um, pennies, pennies or, or, or some nickels? I, I would have. I would have. I absolutely would have. Like, yeah. or or give him, uh, give him, come with a hundred and say, do you have change? <laughs> Make him give you the change. That's exactly right. Yeah, give him ninety nine dollar um, back. Oh God, I. Uh, I think it's going to be a really fun team you have there. I, I, I love they've got a really good mix to those White Sox of swagger and selflessness, which I feel like is just what you need. When Bummer says all we want to do as a bullpen is not lose a game when we have a lead after the fifth. I mean, it, Liam Hendricks likes being the closer, but really all of them seem to be happy with whatever the hell they're asked to do. And that's pretty special. Liam Hendricks likes yelling at people, and he likes throwing baseballs, and he likes yelling at himself. And I really enjoy that guy. But I, I think, to your point, in all seriousness, I think the depth of the White Sox bullpen, with all of the young offensive talent, the depth of the White Sox bullpen could be the greatest asset for any team in the AL Central. And I believe that in short periods of time, we may not see the value but over the long haul of the season, I believe the depth of the Sox, live arms in the bullpen will be the thing that carries them wherever they go. I really see, do. See, see, you know, here, here's the, here's the tie-in to college basketball. I mean, certain times, if you're super deep, like uh, Calipari, Kentucky teams have been and others, sometimes they'll bring in a second five. Like, let's just go, instead of yeah. the next guy, let's just bring in a second five. I'm picturing one night or two where the White Sox use Bummer and Marshall to set up Hendricks, and then a couple nights after that, they use Crochet and Kopech to set up Cody Hoyer. Like, they could just do it completely differently with, what do they call those, platoons or phalanxes yeah. of people? I don't, I don't know what the term is, even, for that kind of thing. No, the phalanx is, 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 the, is the word there. That is, that's great, first of all. It ends in an X, which we're always for. Uh, the, but, and then you get into that and you don't even like Matt Foster doesn't even get mentioned. And he had a remarkable rookie season. Like there are names there that are just going to get buried in the bullpen, but it really is a battalion in the bullpen. Like that's, that's what the Sox have and they're all good arms. And if they're deployed in a way that's creative and interesting, and it seems like Tony LaRussa is open to not just capital C closer ninth inning, like He's been a bullpen innovator in the past. Yep. And if that happens, this is a machine, man. Yeah, it's a, it's a machine and a super creative one that'll be interesting to watch every day. All right, Jason, you're the goods. Get some rest in your busy time and uh, enjoy. You have Creighton tomorrow, right? It's Creighton. Creighton, and... Ohio. Wow. And, then, uh, and then Kansas and USC, the nightcap, both from historic Hinkle Fieldhouse. Very excited. Wow, very, very awesome. All right, well, uh, make, sure, make sure Hummel got out of the parking lot, okay? I hope so. I don't even want to hear about the parking lot because all I hear is Gus Johnson and TJ Sorrentine. From the parking lot. I don't need that. I don't even no, like parking that. lots anymore. No, who does? Who does? And, um, and feel free to go with Phalanx. Um, you know, it, it, it's about time that made its way back into baseball parlance, for God's sakes. Please. Yeah. Thank you turn me into Walton, please throw it down one time. <laughs> You're the best. Thank you, Bye. sir. See you. It's Jason Benetti.
the White Sox broadcaster and a terrific NCAA broadcaster as well and an all-around uh, quality human. Uh, later on in the hour, Shelby Miller, uh, the Cubs reliever and possible swingman and a guy who's had a remarkable career. When we come back, though, a White Sox legend is helping a very important young player be ready for what I believe is going to be opening day. We'll tell you more when we come back on 670 The Score. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launcher online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did-we-just-hit-a-million-orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24/7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast we get it attention spans just aren't what they used to be heads in social media and eyes on netflix but what do people do with their ears well for one they're listening to audio americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day oh and you want the proof well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Andrew Vaughn slugs this ball to left field. Calhoun is back. It is gone. Bring him home. That is why the White Sox are so high on the first-round pick from a couple of years ago out of Cal. Andrew Vaughn. A three-run shot in the first. Andrew Vaughn can turn on the inside pitch and pull it to left and out of the ballpark. Andrew Vaughn can take the outside pitch to right center with authority. He's a very good, very complete hitter. He's always been an adult as a hitter. His entire life, he has produced everywhere he has ever played and ever been. Big-time years in a big-time conference in the Pac-12. And even though he's never played above A-ball in the majors, he is in the driver's seat for the opening day designated hitter. 
for the Chicago White Sox. He's been really good this spring. He has had more plate appearances than anybody, which is not a coincidence, as they're trying to make sure he's comfortable, and he's put up very good numbers. But he's never been a DH before. How do you adjust to that? Well, when you've got the opportunity, you talk to Jim Tomey about it. And Jim Tomey is a terrific guy, obviously a legend as a designated hitter. And he's been in camp as a White Sox employee and has had a lot of talks with Andrew Vaughn. Here's Vaughn on what he's learned so far from Jim Tomey. Yeah, he's he's a very awesome man and uh, so knowledgeable about the game and drills he likes to do. We were working on a drill that he liked, I think, when he was back with the Indians. And we've been working on that. And just the way he goes about it is just it, it lifts you up. It gives you that positive energy. And it's it's pretty special. Anybody that. That is a DH besides Jim Tomey that you're talking to to understand that that is a difficult mindset to have when you're sitting on the bench when everyone else is on the field. Yeah, that's actually the guy I've been kind of going to just talking about. And like he, he says, he just to stay warm, stay ready. Got to act like it's a position. Act like it's a position. It is a position. You got to think about it in terms of staying warm and staying ready between your at bats and learning about it like that. I love that Vaughn is talking to that guy. And if you've never had a chance to talk to Jim Tomey in person, it's memorable. My God, he's just got a real presence about him, a power about him, looks you straight in the eye, really listens very directly. And um, I mean, there's a lot of knowledge and experience and calm and success there. And Andrew Vaughn, from what we've heard, is a very serious and thoughtful guy and really a, a, a complete... Uh, hitter so you know it makes all the sense in the world that those two guys have linked up I think Vaughn is a lock for the opening day DH and I think he's going to allay a lot of the fears the White Sox fans have had about the lack of spending uh, at that particular position um, because I think Andrew Vaughn is going to be real good as the whole team is it's hit and run the scores baseball show in our 15th season And we've got one more segment to go before we give it off to uh, CBS Sports Radio at the top of the hour. And then it's the Cubs later on with Zach Zaidman and Ron Coomer on the call. That comes your way at 2.55 right here on The Score. When we come back, though, let's talk to a man who's uh, got a shot to make this Cubs team out of spring training. And that was anything but assured. Shelby Miller is going to join us and talk some baseball and talk about his career and this moment in time next on Hit and Run on 670 The Score. The 0-2 pitch. He got him! Strikeout number 13! 27 in a row! In one of the most dominating pitching performances ever by a Cardinals rookie. Now let's meet the National League All-Star team. From the Atlanta Braves, Shelby Miller. And another good breaking ball. You can tell Miller, he is in prime form trying to make this team. And he wipes out the Brewers in the first inning. One, two, three with a couple of Ks. I think Shelby's done a phenomenal job coming in here and, you know, opening some eyes, being a guy that's uh, on the radar and pushing for a real spot. Hit and run with Matt Spiegel. Sundays, 9 a.m. to noon. It is indeed hit and run every Sunday morning right here in Chicago. We get to talk Cubs and White Sox however we want from 9 to noon. That is not a privilege I take for granted. And when an interesting story arises and it appears a guy is uh, probably going to make a team when 
I don't know a lot about him in terms of having actual conversation about him. We make a request, and every once in a while that person says yes. And right now, very pleased to get to know Shelby Miller, who joins us right here on The Score. He joins us on the Alpamonte Ford Hotline. Alpamonte Ford is in Melrose Park on North Avenue, or you can go online to apford.com. Let's welcome in Shelby Miller right now. Good morning. How you doing? Oh, good morning. Uh, doing great. Just got to the ballpark. That's uh, beautiful. Well, uh, thank, thanks for joining us, man. I don't know if you heard that stuff in there that our producer put together, but that's that's your um, near-perfect game, 27 in a row. Just, just didn't quite get the first guy. But other than that, I was pretty damn good as, as, a, as a rookie with the Cardinals, an all-star appearance. There's a lot of stuff. It's been quite a long, interesting career already, hasn't it, Shelby Miller? Yeah, absolutely. Um, definitely brings back some memories here and, um, you know, hearing that on the radio. And I thought that was a pretty good introduction. That, that, that was pretty good. What, um, what was going so well for you uh, those times as a starting pitcher? What, because what was the makeup of your stuff then? Predominantly fastball, right? Give us a little rundown of what, what the stuff was when you were at your best as a starting pitcher in the bigs. Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, you know, when I was a rookie coming through this, uh, coming up through the Cardinal system and stuff, I really didn't have a ton of um, off-speed pitches. I'd throw a curveball here and there, but definitely my fastball was my best pitch. Um, you know, and that's what I used a lot. I pitched off my fastball at an early age, at a young, uh, early in my career, and uh, started developing. You know, as hitters get to know you, you kind of got to adapt and adjust to them as well, so – the fastball didn't always work as much as it did, uh, you know, in my rookie year. But I started throwing some cutters and, you know, curveballs and kind of just mixing it all up once, uh, you know, depending on what hitters you're facing or what teams and whatever makes you comfortable out there on the mound. And now uh, things have changed a little bit. Tell us about the slider, where it started, and how confident you are with it right now at this point. Yeah, so uh, sliders um, – I was in Milwaukee last year with the pitching coach just talking about kind of how, um, you know, I really didn't have an off-speed pitch that I would get a lot of swings and misses at. Um, never really had like a wipeout pitch that I would get a strikeout on. And uh, I just started throwing this slider literally like a week before I opted out with the Brewers last uh, last year. And um, <clears throat> it was something I was really excited about. It looked good um, then. And I took it into this off-season and just tried to, um, develop it even more and then throw it for more consistency and uh, with more consistency and just, try, you know, try to uh, have that pitch in my back pocket uh, coming into spring training this year. And it definitely has helped me. Uh, I feel like I've, uh, I feel like a majority of my strikeouts have been on that this year. Um, and I, you know, I haven't even used, you know, a high, high fastball or anything like that yet. So definitely mm. a good weapon to have for me. And uh, hopefully, you know, I'll just continue to, you know, master it. See, that's fascinating. So this is something that people have never seen from you. It's also something that you've never used as part of your arsenal. Um, so what does it change? You mentioned you haven't even really used the high fastball yet. So, like, having this pitch means, means like, everything has to kind of change in terms of, the, like, how much you use certain pitches, your sequencing. It's like you're a brand-new guy all of a sudden, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I kind of feel like it. I mean, I feel like uh... – I feel like just my repertoire of pitches right now is the most developed it's been in my whole career, uh, believe it or not. I mean, I, I feel like I can uh, – I feel like the cutter's good, but my four seam's good. I'm throwing the sinker again. Um, that slider's helping me a lot, and I'm still throwing a curveball. So, um, 
I think I have a good pick, uh, mix of pitches right now. I think, uh, you know, if I can locate them and, and just continue to develop all of them and, you know, use all of them, I think hitters will have to, you know, to be a lot tougher on hitters and um, just really excited to see where it takes me. I mean, I'm, I'm feeling really good. I'm, I feel like the ball's coming out great. So um, just really excited for uh, this year and this opportunity with the Cubs and um, hopefully it's a big year. Well, I, I, I'm happy for you, man. That's really cool um, because I, I was kind of amazed to read that you're 30, right? Are you 30 years old now? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I feel like, I, I mean, I have. I've heard your name for 11 years, I guess, right? It's like, it's like you <laughs> it know, happens <laughs> it happens fast and, you know, um, well-documented. At, at one point, a top five prospect in baseball and, and expected to be, you know, this 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 Texas fireballer in in the vein of uh, of Josh Beckett and Kerry Wood and Nolan Ryan. I mean, it's a lot of it's a lot of pressure, and it's already a long career that has had its ups and had its downs. And but you sound enthused. I, I, I mean, if you looked at it right now, does it feel like your career has been a success, a failure, a like still a work in process? Because this is this is a long time. To even be active in baseball, a lot of people get to thirty and their chapters are done in baseball already. Yeah, I mean, I think you know, obviously, I was very successful early on in my career with uh, St. Louis and Atlanta, and came to Arizona uh, after a trade, a big trade, and uh, didn't pitch that great in sixteen, and then seventeen, I was back to where I was. I was probably throwing the hardest I ever had in my career, and ended up having to have TJ after four starts and. You know, that took me out for the rest of 17 and most of 18. Kate tried to come back in 18, just wasn't ready. She kind of struggled a little bit, struggled in 19 with Texas. Um, just trying to, you know, get back to, you know, you don't throw for two years. Just kind of getting, trying to get back to the swing of things and just didn't really pitch very well there. Um, and then 2020 with uh, with the Brewers and uh, ended up opting out. So, you know, I feel like I really haven't even had um, that much opportunity to pitch since my you know since I had TJ in 17 so I think I'm just just now starting to get over that hump of yeah definitely some disappointment years in the you know the past couple just not really uh being as successful as as I'd like and uh, like I said I feel like I'm over that hump and I think it's time to get going again I feel I feel great my arm feels good I don't you know no excuses now it's time to go for sure that's pretty it's pretty cool so now are you are you a reliever now uh, for, for, for this moment, for this year? That's a, a shift yesterday to see you get one inning after they'd been stretched out and seeming like maybe targeted for a swingman or, or the back end of the rotation. Have you been told that you're a reliever at this point? Uh, no, sir, I haven't been told yet. Um, you know, right now I'm just basically doing what I'm told. Whatever they throw at me, taking it uh, with a grain of salt, just trying to uh, get as many appearances and uh, – you know, get as prepared as I can for the season, whatever my role is. Um, so uh, I'm sure with the season coming up, we'll have to figure something out. Or you know, I'm, I'm assuming I'll get told something soon. So um, right now, I'm just uh, you know doing what I can. I um I'm not going to tolerate, sir. I'm just not going to be able to tolerate <laughs> that, man. I, I mean, right. no, <laughs> no. It's like, is that because I sound old, or I am old, or is that just because you are a remarkably polite human being? 
Uh, uh, maybe it's a Texas thing. I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> I got it. I got it. Well, my name's Matt, and uh, and I appreciate it. I appreciate the deference. But as far as I'm concerned, you've accomplished a hell of a lot more in your life than I have, so I can't take it. Um, so, you know, it's interesting because we were just talking. I was talking with the White Sox broadcaster, Jason Benetti, earlier in the hour, and we referenced two things. Aaron Bummer. You know, Aaron Bummer, real good lefty pitcher for the White Sox in the bullpen. He discovered uh-huh. his he discovered his slider while sitting at an Applebee's and watching some highlights on his phone. Is like, you know what? I should try throwing a slider. Um, Zach Duke um, found uh, decided to become a side armor when he was lying in his pool one off season. He's like, you know what? I got to figure out what to do in my career here. After he was a starter for a while, and he ended up having a decade still going as a reliever. Right, it's like. Right. It, why not? Why not you, Shelby Miller? Why not you with a newfound slider start a new chapter in your life that could go on for years and years? It's possible, right? It happens all the time. I mean, that's that's the goal. Um, like I said, I've always, you know, like I've, n- I've never had a pitch like that. I think it's um, still got room to grow. I'm not saying that it's, um, you know, one of the best sliders or whatever in the game. I think it's for me personally. It's just helping me. Uh, get more outs and get get a lot more swings and misses. And like I said, I think it's going to be a big pitch, not only this year, but for my career going forward, um, something I can use and something I'm looking forward to throwing a lot uh, when I need it. And, uh, you know, like like I said, the only thing we can, I guess we can only tell when, when the time comes and when we get a real situation and real games and uh, get out there competing. I'm excited. How good of a tight end were you? In uh, in high school uh, on the football team, Shelby. Oh, <laughs> uh, you're reading too much information. I mean, I was I was decent. Uh, <laughs> we actually had uh, Casey Paul ended up going to TCU um, as a quarterback, and uh, he was our quarterback. I was actually a quarterback in the seventh grade, and then I ended up getting staph infection in my leg, and then they discovered he had a, a pretty good arm as well. So I lost my job there. Oh man! And they moved crazy. me to the tight end position, so we basically just flip flop uh, roles. And I mean, I was pretty good. I played a lot of receiver too my senior year, um, but we—I think we ended up going like three and seven. So we we did not uh, live up to our expectations. But I'm pretty sure we had the number one offense in the state that year. But I think we had the worst defense as well. <laughs> so I won't ask you about your job as defensive end. Then we'll stay we'll stay with the offense. Then that's probably yeah uh, exactly. That's, that's, I didn't play defense. That was that was my. I, I knew I was going to have the opportunity to get drafted pretty high in baseball and. I still played uh, football my senior year, taking that risk of getting hurt, and I just told the coach I can't play defense, but I'll play offense. Hey, um, so. have you and your teammate Jason Hayward talked about the fact that you were traded for each other? Has that come up yet in uh, in camp here? No, we haven't. Um, we haven't, like, sat down and talked about it, but, I mean, I think we're both aware of what that situation was. Uh, he's an amazing guy uh, to just know. Like, he's, he's somebody you think I've been in the league a while. He's, yeah. you know, he's 31. I think he has 10, 11 years and just the most, you know, the nicest guy, most well-respected guy, and one of the most respected guys in the clubhouse and just goes about his business um, first class all the way around. And um, to know I got traded for a guy like that is pretty cool. Yeah, you know, it, and it's interesting because Jason was, like you, so highly regarded and heralded out of high school and came up with all the pressure in the world 
And it's like you keep going. It's like a, a lot of you guys came up that way, and then you got to figure out where your spot is. He's a real good. He's a real good model for somebody who's who's just kind of figured out a way to be comfortable and go about his business. It, it sounds like you could fit in that mold too, Shelby. Yeah, I mean, like I said, he's he's somebody. Um, when you walk into the locker room, his presence is right there. Just a big dude, and and just always happy, and uh, you know. Like I said, goes about his business the right way, and you know, yeah, absolutely. If you're modeling somebody after a young kid after somebody, he he would be the one to do it with. And um, it's been good to know him and or get to know him, and hopefully we, you know, uh, get to play with him a lot this year and uh, just continue to build a friendship with him. Hey Shelby, thanks for the time. Nice to get to know you, and um, good luck. Hope you are uh, on this team, and we'll probably have a chance to talk down the road if that's the case. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. You got it, man. Thank you so much. That's Shelby Miller uh, of the Cubs. And according to our Bruce Levine earlier on in the show, um, looking very good for a bullpen spot for Shelby Miller uh, with that new slider. That's a brand new item in his arsenal and perhaps a brand new arm to uh, have some effectiveness in that Cubs bullpen. Well, this has been great. Thanks so much, everybody, for listening and hanging out. Thank you to Sean Anderson for doing his typically great job as the executive producer of Hit and Run. And stay tuned for CBS Sports Radio, then the Cubs at 255. want to thank Shelby Miller, Jason Benetti, Bruce Levine, Kevin Goldstein. I'll be back tomorrow and beyond, of course, in the afternoons, part of the Parkins and Spiegel Show right here on The Score. Have a great day, everybody. Thanks so much. In our game of baseball, Matt. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission.